Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode of Power Pros Podcast. I'm your host, the Hoff Chris Hoffman, and joining me is my special guest co-host of Nintendo Force and Mega Visions fame, the Ox, David Oxford. Hello. Thanks for joining me today, David. Thanks for having me. You are quite welcome. And today, we are not here to talk about what's going on in the world of Nintendo. Not exactly. This time, we are here to celebrate one of the greatest non-Nintendo systems of all time, the Sega Genesis. Sega! The Genesis recently experienced its 30th anniversary in North America, so we are recording a special episode of Power Pros to commemorate the occasion and discuss how to best celebrate three decades of the Genesis as a Nintendo fan. Remember... You cannot spell Genesis without the letters NES. (laughs) Anyway, the Genesis was an amazing system way back in the day. It provided a ton of great games and gave us the first true console war. It provided an actual alternative with an almost entirely unique selection of exclusive first-party titles. Early on, third parties were kind of hesitant to support the Genesis, so Sega really had to rely on itself, and it succeeded. The Genesis also really delivered on the promise of arcade-quality games at home, which was a big, big deal 30 years ago. You know, you look at something like TMNT 2 on the NES, and you see that was a fantastic title. But, you know, it really wasn't even close to arcade quality. And until the Super NES hit a few years later, that was a real strong selling point of the Genesis. So, Nintendo and Mario may have introduced me to the world of video games and maybe a lifelong enthusiast, but the Genesis was the system that showed me that there was so much more than I ever could have possibly imagined. Another great thing about the Sega Genesis is that it really forced Nintendo to up their game at the time, too. That's true. It's very true. We end up getting you know the best of both worlds, good stuff from Nintendo and good stuff from Sega. So, you know, even though that was a very strong rivalry back at the time you know these days that is water under the bridge sega is a big nintendo supporter and there are many great ways to play these classic genesis games on nintendo systems and that is sort of where we're starting out with this episode what is that best way to celebrate 30 years of genesis on a nintendo system like the switch well i would say it is the sega genesis classics available on nintendo's hybrid console This game offers more than 50 games for $30. It is entirely first-party titles spread across a variety of genres. They are of admittedly varying quality, but there's a whole bunch of good stuff in here. It has platforming titles like Sonic the Hedgehog, puzzle games like Columns, RPGs like Fantasy Star 2, 3, and 4, strategy games like Shining Force, shooters like Biohazard Battle, action games like Gunstar Heroes and Golden Axe, adventure games like Beyond Oasis, and a variety of arcade ports and original games as well. Just about the only thing it is lacking would be sports titles, and let's face it, the reason for that is because they did a lot of licensing back then, so Mm -hmm. uh, who knows if Tommy Lasorda's got the same marketing power now that he had then, so I can see why they might not want to spring for that in this. Yeah, that's very true. You know, it would be probably more complete if there were more racing games and a few more shooters, as well as the sports games, like you said. But uh, even so, you get a lot of stuff in this collection for a value bargain price. And, you know, in addition to just the games themselves, it has a mirror mode, it has a rewind function, it has save states, it has local and online multiplayer, and it has numerous graphical filter options to make it either super sharp or to smooth things out. There's border art, there's scan lines. There is a whole lot to enjoy here. 
it is a really great collection. I don't know that it compares uh, quite as well to their previous effort in that regard, but for modern consoles, it's hard to beat the value. Yeah, I would say there is a lot of stuff to enjoy here, and that's where I think our conversation should start off. You know, what are the top games that you would play, and that I would play, in this collection to celebrate 30 years of Sega Genesis? So, David, what would you start out by playing? You're going to sit down on the couch, you're going to enjoy some Genesis classic action to celebrate this landmark anniversary. What do you play first? That is a tough one. There's a lot of great stuff here, and some of it is just really iconic to the console, but... Yes, yes it is. One that I always have to go back to is Sonic the Hedgehog, though. Oh, yes. I mean, that's probably the most iconic title of all when it comes to the Genesis, and how could you not go with Sonic the Hedgehog? And, you know, this is a true classic. This is the game that sort of set the world on fire. This is the game that really let Sega come out there and say, hey, we're not fooling around. We have characters that are just as memorable and just as popular as what the competition has. Do you remember the commercial where they actually put the game head-to-head against Super Mario World? No, I don't think I remember that, actually. Yeah, they recreated it recently, I believe, once or twice. Uh, one was for Sonic Mania, I believe. Okay. But the idea is you've got, like, the viewer is kind of like in a first person going into this, like, kind of video game corner of a store. And you've got a salesman who's trying to sell, like, sell the Super NES, but the Sega Genesis cost less, and it came with Sonic, which was, like, you know, faster and all of that stuff. And, of course, the uh, viewer ultimately ends up walking out with Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say, if I pit those two against each other, I'm not sure Sonic would necessarily come out on top. But that aside, it is a great game in its own right, and just a whole lot of fun. And, again, you know, I keep saying this, true classic. And, you know, even though Sonic is known for his speed, it's not all about the speed. It's about momentum, it's about pacing, and that means mixing things up. Sometimes it just means straight ahead running and going through loops and corkscrews. Sometimes it means more traditional platforming. And, you know, this game, I think, just nailed it. It has a perfect balance between the two, and even to this day, I think, is the best of the four mainline Sonic games available on the Genesis. I don't know if I would say it's the best, but this one's definitely a sentimental favorite for me for two main reasons. One, it was the first Sonic game I played, but it also has a lot of my favorite zones in it. The uh, Starlight Zone, Spring Yard Zone, the Green Hill Zone, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, no shortage of Green Hill these days, but <laughs> nevertheless, the uh, other ones I really like. Yeah. But it's also got some that aren't quite as good. Hmm. Well, I definitely like a lot of the levels that are in there myself. I also really like the three-act structure, which a lot of the later games did away with. But uh, yeah, it's a great game and obviously a fantastic starting point for celebrating the Genesis. Can't go wrong. For me... I think one that I would definitely include in the lineup would be Altered Beast. That was my... I I wasn't sure whether to start off with Sonic or Altered Beast. Because, yeah, Altered Beast was the original pack-in. Yes. That one's a favorite of both my wife and I. Fact is, uh, she's actually got a nice little Altered Beast collection. (laughs) Games and other stuff. Yeah, but when I first got the Genesis, this was the game that was included with it. And yeah, sure, it's kind of short, and it doesn't really have the depth or longevity as some other games, such as Sonic the Hedgehog, but it was a really excellent port of the arcade game. It's a really cool and unique idea, you know, you're some sort of, uh, you know, Greek undead guy collecting power-ups and morphing into these different forms. You turn into a werewolf or a dragon or a tiger or a bear, 
and you basically just beat the heck out of uh, various enemies and bosses. As I alluded to earlier, one of the big aspects of the Genesis appeal was how well it was able to replicate arcade games, and you know, right out of the box with this pack in, it demonstrated that power. So yeah, that is definitely one that I would play. It, it is a lot of fun, especially when you have two players going at it. Oh yeah, yeah, there's another great aspect of it. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, two-player co-op. I mean, more games are probably better with that than without, but, you know, case by case on that one. Oh yeah, for sure. Did you know that there was actually a cameo from one of the characters in Altered Beast and Wreck-It Ralph a few years ago? Yeah, Neff, the uh, main villain, and he's like in his, like, were-rhinoceros form, and uh, he appears in the uh, Badanon group. <laughs> okay, yeah, that does ring a bell. So, what else is on your list? So, my next one is... An interesting pick, I imagine some will feel. Golden Axe 3. Huh. That is an interesting choice. I am a huge Golden Axe fan, but uh, more of the original than the third one, so uh, do tell. Well, that was the thing. I I was playing the uh, Golden Axe games on this very collection recently. I did not have a second player, which I think probably influenced my decision here. But I noticed that the first two games... It really required you to really be precisely in line with the enemies for your hits to connect. Mm-hmm. This one's a little more generous with the hitboxes, and that just made the experience so much more enjoyable for me. Huh. And it also introduces some different ways of playing, depending on who you choose, that affects who you fight, some alternate paths. Yeah, it has a broader selection of characters, has some different mounts for you to ride. Yeah, definitely. It also employs, like, a, kind of a legacy thing. You don't have the original heroes here, except for the dwarf. Oh, I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden. Gilius Thunderhead. Gilius Thunderhead, yes. How can I forget a name like that? Uh, Gilius Thunderhead, He he's aged here, so he's acting more in a, I guess, kind of a mentor capacity, and... Uh, it's, it's like the next generation of Golden Axe. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that doesn't work as a concept, but when it works, I typically enjoy it. And I don't think there's enough working against it here for me not to enjoy it. Okay, all right, fair enough. Well, I guess the natural one for me to bring up next would be the original Golden Axe. For me, that is certainly the best one of the trio. I consider it to be the greatest hack-and-slash game of all time. And while it is not 100% arcade perfect, I think it was pretty darn close enough. I just thought it was a ton of fun, had this great sensation of when you slice into enemies, and in addition to just hacking up enemies, you can use magic, you can ride dragons, and I found all that to be very, very satisfying. Plus, it had two more stages than the arcade game. And uh, I'll be honest, this was the game that sold me on the Genesis. It wasn't Sonic, it wasn't Altered Beast, it wasn't anything else. I had so much fun with this game in the arcade, I was like, man, I have got to get a Sega Genesis. So yeah, Golden Axe 1 is definitely on my list. You know, I don't think I've ever played the arcade version, now that you mention it. Probably because I was a dyed-in-the-wool Nintendo fan at the time, and for the most part, Sega was just like, eh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so probably by the time I would have given it a try, I don't think I've uh, ever really seen it to be able to. Hmm. Well, the arcade version was pretty great back in its day. Anyway, moving along, what else you got here on your list of top games from this collection? I do not think that there is anyone who can deny 
if you can play Streets of Rage 2, you should play Streets of Rage 2. <laughs> and on this collection, you can play Streets of Rage 2. Yes, you can. At the same time, it's easy yet hard to describe just what makes it so great because everything just comes together so perfectly. It's almost hard to pick apart the trees for the forest. You know what I mean? Uh, it has kind great of. music. I mean, it has great graphics. It's just... Right, just name everything, basically. Yeah. It's, it's one of those games where... I don't know if you can call it perfect. Um, but it's pretty it, darn close to perfect for a beat-em-up as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, this is definitely yeah. on my list as well. Again, like Golden Axe, it's very, very satisfying the way you attack enemies. It has a good variety to the stages. It has good variety of the characters. You can use weapons. And uh, like you said, it looks great for a 16-bit game. And the music by Yuzo Kashir was absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. It is, you know... I don't know if it's my all-time favorite beat-em-up, but it is pretty darn close. It's up there. It's got to be up there. Oh, yeah. It has to be in the conversation. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yep, it is a great one. Well, what's next on your list? Well, let's see here. I guess I will go with Beyond Oasis. That is an excellent Zelda-style adventure that actually comes from a lot of the Streets of Rage team, especially the sound team. You can tell the creators were harnessing some of that beat-em-up DNA because it's not just swinging your sword. There's like all sorts of kicks and combo attacks you can do in addition to the exploration and adventuring and fantasy sort of stuff that you usually expect from that niche. But yeah, it's sort of combined with these uh, beat-em-up elements, which makes it uh, pretty darn cool in my estimation. You know, even with this collection, I've heard great things about Beyond Oasis. I have still not had the opportunity to sit down with it. And hearing about the beat-em-up elements added to it just makes me want to play it even more now. Yeah, I would tell you it's definitely worth your time. It's no Zelda, but definitely worth your time. What is Zelda? <laughs> Indeed. Let's see, next on my list... Is, is, any, is any list of great Genesis games complete without Gunstar Heroes? Oh, it's probably not. It's a good thing it's included here. <laughs> well, it's definitely on my list as well. Yeah, this is Treasure's take on the classic run-and-gun genre. And was this the first game that Treasure released on the Genesis? It's certainly the first game that they made that I'm aware of. And Treasure, as I recall, I believe they were formed out of several people from Konami who had worked on Contra 3. Mm -hmm. So the pedigree is definitely there. Yeah, I mean, these guys pretty much always make great games. And Gunstar Heroes, you know, even all these years later, is near the top of the list. It's, it's definitely fun. I first got to play it on the Virtual Console, and I don't think I was able to put it down until I was done. Or, at the very least, I was finished in a couple of days because I was just that glued to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's got some very interesting and unique character designs, has a cool variety of weapons, and you know, just the way that the levels are made and the enemies you encounter, they're sort of like, you know, non-stop crazy just always throwing something new and wacky and unpredictable at you and again this offers two-player co-op and it all adds up to a whole lot of fun i think we forgot to mention the co-op on uh, streets of rage 2 and golden x3 but yes the co-op is a lot of fun and you can vary things up even more because i believe you get to choose your weapon loadouts right. that you prefer and i if i remember correctly you can even kind of combine your weapons for even more different effects correct yeah i believe that's true mm-hmm Lots of cool stuff going on in Gunstar Heroes. Well, another favorite of mine is Revenge of Shinobi. 
And that is a fantastic ninja action game that is made even better due to the fantastic music by, again, Yuzo Kashiro, whose name just keeps coming up, in addition to uh, Beyond Oasis and Streets of Rage 2. He also did Revenge of Shinobi. I think it is some of his best work. But in addition to this great music and this shuriken-throwing action and uh, fantastic graphics, this is also a game that had unofficial appearances of Godzilla, the Terminator, Rambo, and Batman, and even an official appearance by Spider-Man. So, you know, speaking of uh, crazy, over-the-top games like Gunstar Heroes, I think Revenge of Shinobi easily falls under the same category. I love the Shinobi series, and yeah, that's definitely one of the highlights. It's unfortunate that the licensed content hasn't managed to survive over time. <laughs> right, right. I mean, over the years, they've changed things. So, oh, it's not Godzilla anymore. Now it's some Godzilla-shaped skeleton creature. But still, despite that, the awesome gameplay remains. Yes, and that's perhaps the most important thing. Yes, I would certainly say so. That and the music. Of course. Following on that, I guess I should throw in Shinobi 3, Return of the Ninja Master. Ah, okay. Which is, it's arguably, like, the best one in the series. I'm not sure on that one. Mm, I'm not going to argue that point. Revenge is always going to be my favorite, but I cannot deny that Shinobi 3 is also a very, very appealing game. And it does expand upon it with a lot of cool aspects, like, you know, being able to fight on horseback, being able to hang from the ceiling, being able to jump off walls. It's a much deeper game than Revenge of Shinobi, I'll give it that much. Yeah, I only say that I'm not sure if it's the best, because the Shinobi games are generally high marks all around, as a rule anyway. I, I can't think of a Shinobi game I've played that I haven't liked, <laughs> and there's still a few I haven't played. Yeah, that's a pretty good point, yes. But yeah, that is certainly a good one, and while it's, for me... Not up there with Revenge, it's still very, very excellent, so I can certainly understand that being on your list. Another one that is on mine that I think uh, kind of gets overshadowed by other games from the same development crew is Rystar. I knew it. I knew you were going to say that, <laughs> because that's on uh, mine as well. Yeah, that's from Sonic Team, the makers of Sonic the Hedgehog. But, you know, everyone knows about Sonic. Very few people seem to know about Rystar. It's just this very cute and interesting uh, little platformer featuring a very compelling grab mechanic and you use that to fight enemies and to navigate the world and for anyone who gives it a chance i think they're going to find a really really excellent must play platformer here it's a great little game and yeah it's it's tragic that's been overshadowed to the point that i don't even know it's just i, I guess it was came out during the PlayStation and Saturn's rise and it just kind of got overlooked and yeah, it was a as a pretty result late it release. never got, mm -hmm. got its due. Maybe they should have moved it to the Saturn. Maybe it would have, you know, could have been that system Sonic. Yeah, it could have been. They're probably right about that. But either way, I'm glad they keep putting it out on these collections so the people who did miss out on it back in the day can be like, oh, wow, there's a really amazing game here that I completely ignored, you know, 25 years ago. And, you know, here's another chance to check it out. Yeah, the more people who check it out, the better. Maybe someday we'll get another one. I think Sonic Team could probably use a break from the Sonic games anyway, so, you know, make a new Restar. <laughs> well, I'm not going to hold my breath on that, but that would be fantastic. Another classic platformer that I think more people should be playing on the Genesis is Dynamite Heady. This is another game by Treasure, and it uh, also has some elements of Restar in there. Except instead of grabbing things with your hands, you actually grab onto grappling points with your head and you use it to sort of bounce all over the stages that way and get through some tricky platforming stuff using this head grappling mechanic. 
In addition to that, you actually can get new heads. Yeah, you're like a puppet or something. It's very weird. It's very crazy. Like almost all the treasure games, it's like, this kind of seems like nonsense, but somehow it's really, really awesome anyway. But yeah, he gets different heads that give him temporary different powers. So it's kind of like a Kirby game in that sense. And again, it's very strange, but so worth checking out. So uh, do that if you have your hands on this collection. A lot of the best games are full of nonsense, so <laughs> that's not anything to be held against it. Oh yeah, not at all. I, I haven't really played it, or at least not at any great length, but it's definitely one I need to come back to. Oh yeah. And the idea of playing as like a headmaster puppet is just appealing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty darn great. While we're on the subject of platformers, of which there are plenty on here, I've got a soft spot for Kid Chameleon. <laughs> really? Interesting. Yeah, I can't quite explain why. It's not the most outstanding game in terms of, like, you know, concept or execution even necessarily. But the dude is so darn cool, man. I mean, he's got those jeans and those sunglasses. He's obviously the coolest dude in town. Don't forget the leather jacket he only sports on the cover. <laughs> That's right, the leather jacket. But yeah, the concept behind it, I'm into. He goes to an arcade where this virtual reality room, this is like back when the first time virtual reality was a thing, but you didn't really see it Right, much. they were talking about holograms in this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he goes in to rescue kids who have disappeared, and he's able to take on the alter egos of different types of game heroes, like... Um, Oh, I believe there's a knight. I think there's one that was like kind of a, not like a chainsaw maniac, but, you know, like sort of a horror movie type character. And There's definitely a samurai. Yeah, that's right. There's a samurai. And there's a whole lot of levels in there. I believe it's different, like kind of branching routes, depending on which way you go. Hmm, so there's a lot of that. bang for your buck there, but it gets pretty tough. Hmm. Yeah, this one I don't think I had ever played possibly until just earlier this week when I was playing games in this collection to, you know, research for this episode of the show. It is probably the most Mario-like game in these collections in that you actually do jump up and bash blocks with your head and have power-ups come out. It's certainly no Mario, but uh, if you like it, uh, more power to you. I would like to see the concept explored further, but uh, as it is, I still have, like I said, a sort of a soft spot for this one. And uh, you mentioned Mario. Uh, maybe it was influenced by Mario's costume changes in Mario 3, huh? Yeah, could be. I don't know. Maybe it was inspired by Dynamite Hetty's head changes. Actually, I think Dynamite Hetty came out later, so probably not. I think so. <laughs> I, I think uh, Dynamite Hetty was the uh, red box, you know, with the yes, borders. Yes, yes, it definitely yeah. was. And Kid Chameleon was definitely during the... Yeah, Dynamite Hedy was like three years after Kid Chameleon. Oh, okay. So Dynamite Hedy is basically just a Kid Chameleon clone is what I'm saying. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, um, speaking of excellent later releases in the system's life cycle, I would have to call out Fantasy Star The End of the Millennium as one of the true greats. This is an amazing RPG. It is one of 16-bit's best right up there with stuff like Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy IV, and Chrono Trigger. The Fantasy Star series has a pretty great reputation, but I would say that Fantasy Star End of the Millennium is easily the best one, in my opinion. RPGs are kind of a rough area for me. I don't get into a lot of them, but I always felt that, like, you know, if that switch got flipped in my head, mm. Fantasy Star is definitely a place I would go. I have not played Fantasy Star 2 or 3 or 4. 
Uh, recently, though, thanks to Sega Ages, I did get to play the first Fantasy Star mm-hmm. and fell in love with it. Yeah, it's pretty solid. And I, I am eager to check out the other ones, though on, on this part of the collection, it's definitely got the more hardcore RPG tropes, the kind of grinding and experience and that kind of thing. So you don't have the amenities that I had when I played uh, the first one. Oh, but. right, right. Yeah, yeah. This is just the uh, original, but still, you know, coming out when it did, it uh, you know isn't quite as grindy as something like the first Fantasy Star or you know Dragon Warrior or something like that. It strikes a okay. pretty decent balance, as I recall. Okay, well that's good to hear. I might I might give it a closer look uh, on its own after all then, because I've just been waiting for the next Sega Ages release. They haven't even announced a Fantasy Star Two for that. It's true. And I guess the rewind feature would probably help a little bit too, and save states and whatnot. Yeah. Probably, probably. Yeah. So uh, I might dive into it on this collection after all then. Yeah, I certainly recommend it. Okay then, what's next for you? Next up. I am going to say, this one may not be the most popular opinion, but probably not as unpopular as Golden Axe 3, I hate to say it, but uh, Streets of Rage 3. Ah, okay. Interesting choice, yes. I'm a fan of it. It's maybe not as good as 2, but it has a boxing kangaroo, and how can you argue (laughs) against a boxing kangaroo? That you can play as, I, I should I should add. And we forgot to point out in Streets of Rage 2, one of the big parts of the appeal is you get to play as a pro wrestler who has a super powerful atomic drop. This is true. Kangaroo doesn't have that, does he? I, I do not believe he does. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, nonetheless, it is a very solid beat-em-up. It is, and I mean, it's if you've finished Streets of Rage 2 and you want more, there you go. All right. Uh, I'm going to continue on my RPG-ish trend and make my next selection Shining Force. Uh, again, you know, back at this time, Sega really had its fingers in all the genres. It had action, it had RPGs, it had sports, it had racing, and yes, it even had turn-based strategy. And I would say that one of the all-time greats is the Shining Force series. I mean, you could argue about whether Shining Force 1 or Shining Force 2 is the better game, but either way, you know, the series is one of the best in the genre, and it holds up right there next to stuff like Fire Emblem. So this is definitely one, or possibly two, worth checking out. And it's for that reason I've been curious to check it out, because I do like Fire Emblem, and I've heard that it compares favorably, so it's it like, does. okay, yeah. It I really, really does. Yeah, it's just kind of a shame that this series is no longer a thing for Sega. I mean, I think that, you know, especially now that they're under the same umbrella as Atlas, they could easily revive this series and bring it back in its original strategy form. I mean, we're still seeing games with the Shining title coming out, but I don't think any of them have ever quite lived up to the reputation of Shining Force 1 and Shining Force 2. And that is unfortunate, but hopefully, as you say, I know a lot of people are eager for Sega and Atlas to team up and just make this happen, and Mm -hmm. why they haven't yet... I guess that's anyone's guess. Yeah, who knows? Maybe someday. One can hope. So, anything else on your list? Just one more. I don't think we could go through a top ten Genesis list without mentioning... Well, I mean, you could if you didn't want to do more than one per series, but no rule here, so... You gotta have Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I mean, for me, you know, I went with the one I like more, so I went with Sonic 1 instead of Sonic 2, but there is no denying that Sonic 2 is a fantastic game on its own. Definitely. It's one of those sequels, it's almost kind of like Mega Man 2 to the first one's Mega Man 1, in a Hmm. way, for me. 
Like, a, a lot of what I like about the first one is just kind of sentiment, and it's where everything was kind of, like, you know, laid out in the foundation. And the sequel just improved on so much. You get towards the end, and you've got some pretty neat stuff going on. You've got the Sky Chase Zone, where you're wing-walking on uh, Sonic's plane. Oh, yeah, on Tails' plane, actually. And from there, you go, like, to the uh, Wing Fortress Zone, which is uh, Robotnik's Flying Fortress. Mm -hmm. And from there, it's up to the Death Egg, where you fight off against the very first Robot Sonic. Yeah, yeah. Unless you count the one that was on Game Gear that came out, like, a couple weeks before, but nobody counts that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember those later stages being very, very very challenging that's for sure definitely oh and of course uh, i almost forgot uh, if you get all the seven chaos emeralds in this one they actually do something oh that's right this was the first appearance of supersonic i kind of totally forgot about that and it was also the first appearance of tails which mm-hmm. is you know another reason it's a favorite of mine because you know how how in some uh, households or friendships or whatever you know one person has the mario and like you know the other person like you know sticks to luigi more i'll pretend i do okay well fair enough well yeah for me like uh, between me and like a friend of mine growing up who was the sega kid like when we were playing nintendo mario was my guy and luigi was his but at his place the tables turned he was sonic and i stuck with tails so i've always had a soft spot for the little kitsune the mutant squirrel mutant squirrel i believe is what he is oh yes yes of course mm-hmm. how, how how silly of me with a drinking problem. <laughs> okay, well, that does seem like a great title to end this list on, but I also have one more to add, and it's also a pretty excellent title in its own right, and that is Toe Jam and Earl. Toe Jam and Earl. Yeah, this is a game that is unique and goofy. You really don't fight like you do in most video games. I mean, you can get occasional weapons, but you're mostly just exploring. You're unwrapping these gifts. You're using these gadgets. You're not really sure what they do. They might just kill you on the spot. It's just really crazy and sort of just the right amount of stupid. (laughs) You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. It is a wild and crazy time, especially when you've got two players. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, even though the game seems to be sort of inspired by, like, 90s musical trends, it really feels very timeless. It doesn't really date itself by doing that stuff. I mean, some of the later games in the series are like, oh, we have to try to be really hip, and they have failed miserably. But this one, you know, somehow it continues to hold up even after all this time. And really, as a gamer, you have not lived until you have danced with a hula girl while being run over by a giant hamster in a rolly ball. (laughs) And like I said, the two-player thing is great too because basically it's split screen and they worked some magic so that basically it's almost like running two games independently because you guys are not tethered or anything. Mm -hmm. You can pretty much go anywhere. Yeah, it's kind of crazy the way it's all on one screen until you guys get too far apart and that just sort of, you know, tears the screen in half like that. It's a really innovative and uh, cool thing you really don't see enough of. Indeed. And if I can, I just got to give a quick shout out because uh, I like what I've played of the sequel too. Panic on Funkatron? Yes. Ah, okay. It's more of a platformer. The objectives are different. Yeah, it's a very different type of game. But got to love the art style and the humor still though. (laughs) That still shines through. It's definitely a nice showpiece for the Genesis and it's included on here as well. Yes, yes it is. What's better than Toe Jam and Earl? Two Toe Jam and Earls. Can't beat that. 
Well, I think this wraps up our discussion of the top Genesis games you can play via the Sega Genesis Classics on Switch, but there are actually a few other options out there for Nintendo fans. For one thing, also on the Switch, there are the Sega Ages titles, and though a lot of those games are not from the Genesis, actually a couple of them are, those being Sonic the Hedgehog and Lightning Force, the uh, 2D shooter which is also known as Thunder Force 4. I have not gotten to play that one yet. It's one of the few gaps in my Sega Ages collection at the moment. I do have Sonic the Hedgehog, though, and if I could touch on something that I made reference to earlier. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, it's a great version of Sonic. You know, obviously it's not quite the value that you get from this, you know, 50-game compilation, but obviously, as we talked about, Sonic is a classic, and this one actually has some new features you aren't going to find elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, what is it that uh, floats your boat about this one? Well, besides adding the spin dash and even the drop dash that was introduced in Sonic Mania... They've got a mode that's called Mega Play Mode. Huh, okay. Which is basically sort of a, um, you remember the Play Choice 10s from Nintendo, right, in the arcades? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's something along the lines of that, or like versus Super Mario Brothers, except it's Sonic. So it's a little bit harder. I don't believe you can earn continues or extra lives. And basically, it kind of trims the fat of the original Genesis game. So you basically have, I think it's only four zones. You've got the Green Hill Zone, the Spring Yard Zone, the Starlight Zone, and the Scrap Brain Zone. And if those sound familiar, those are the four that I said were my personal favorites. So I really like this mode, aside from the raised difficulty. But it's basically like, you know, the best of Sonic the Hedgehog in my book. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I have this game, I've played this game, but I don't think I've actually tried out that mode, so that's pretty cool to know about. Yeah, I dig it. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah, as for Lightning Force, I do have that one too, but let me warn you, that game is brutally hard. It has some special new options as well, including like a super easy mode for babies, and even that I can barely get through the first couple levels without totally getting my butt kicked, so consider yourself warned. That might be why it's a gap in my collection, now that I think about it, by reputation. It's one I'd like to have regardless, but I suppose it took, you know, lesser priority versus some other stuff. Okay, well, it's something to keep in mind. Yeah, at least for a sale. (laughs) Anyway, beyond Switch, there is also a fantastic selection of Genesis games on the Nintendo 3DS, specifically the Sega 3D Classics. And again, a lot of these games are not necessarily Genesis games. It has arcade games and other stuff. However, it also has an excellent selection of some of the games we've already talked about, some of the all-time Genesis greats like Altered Beast, Gunstar Heroes, Sonic 1 and 2, Shinobi 3, Streets of Rage 1 and 2, and also Eco the Dolphin. And as much as I like these games in their original forms, I think somehow they're actually better in their 3D Classics version. I mean, they have lots of great new bonus features and extra modes. You can play generally in either the North American or the Japanese versions of the games. And then, of course, they have the stereoscopic 3D, which just looks absolutely fantastic pretty much across the board. Yeah, the 3D is something else. Yeah, even games where it's really simple and just adding, you know, 3D to the background, like Altered Beast 
and Sonic for that matter, it just really, really makes those backgrounds pop and makes the games look vastly visually superior to previously releases of the game. And then stuff that actually sort of incorporates 3D movement, like Streets of Rage 1 and 2, where you're moving in and out of the screen. Man, it's like a little diorama that you're seeing your character walk around and interact with. And it just looks so cool. It is some of the best usage of 3D on the system. And it kind of puts Nintendo's uh, 3D classics to shame. But uh, yeah, I'm really loving all of these. Yeah, it really does. I mean, Sonic's parallax scrolling blew me away back in 1991. And then having that in actual full stereoscopic 3D is just... Well, to borrow a phrase, taking it to the next level. Yeah, for sure. And it's not a Genesis game per se, but just a quick little anecdote for you. When Star Fox 64 3D came out on the Nintendo 3DS, I was absolutely blown away Mm -hmm. by the 3D visuals. It was just such a high water mark for me, the 3D effect. Uh And I remember thinking at the time, man, I would love to see a new Space Harrier that does the same thing. Uh Or Panzer Dragoon, or just Sega has so many great 3D titles. Yeah, they do. But I was hoping for something like that. And um, eventually they... It's not a new Space Harrier, but they eventually came out with that and so much more, and I'm just more than satisfied. It was kind of like a reverse monkey paws situation. I kind of hoped for one thing. It kind of went the other way, but it went the other way so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those aren't Genesis games technically. I believe they're upgrades of the arcade versions of Space Harrier and a lot of their pseudo 3D arcade classics. But yeah, those are also fantastic as well. I mean, if you like stereoscopic 3D, I would say go ahead, get these games, check them all out. They're available individually. There was even a physical collection release where you could get a bunch of them compiled onto a cartridge. You can get that digitally as well. But yeah, they're all fantastic and highly, highly recommended. And if I can just throw in a fun little tidbit about the collection that was released, at least the one that made it to North America, mm-hmm. the cover art was done, I believe, by one of the artists behind the uh, Pokemon video games. Oh, all right. Good to know that, too. So, a little bit of a Nintendo connection there, more than there already was. Then the last outlet for getting classic Genesis games on Nintendo systems I wanted to bring up is the Virtual Console on Wii. Obviously... As most people know, the Wii Shop channel is shut down, so you can no longer purchase and obtain these games if you haven't bought them already. But man, there was a lot of good stuff on there that really isn't readily available on any other modern console. Things like Sonic 3, Sonic & Knuckles, Pulseman, Mercs, Forgotten Worlds, Splatterhouse 2. All those games are really, really fantastic, and if you have access to them, it is a great way to experience these classics. You know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people don't have access to that, but if you do, you know, dust off that Wii, plug it back in, and uh, play these classics on your Wii system. It's an excellent way to do so. And be sure to back up those SD cards to make sure that you can still use the games later, too. Right, right, yeah. I mean, right now, you can still re-download these games if you've already purchased them, even though the shop channel is essentially dead. But yeah, eventually you won't be able to. So yeah, putting those as backups on SD card, probably not a bad idea. Wait, I thought they flipped the switch to kill the Wii Shop channel altogether, whether you bought it or not. Nope, nope, you just can't buy new games or add any more funds, but you can still download stuff if you've already made the purchase, at least for now. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, indeed. Anyway, this wraps up this segment of the show, so why don't we take a little intermission, and then we come back, we'll discuss something just a little bit different, that being the Sega Genesis Mini. 
All right, we are back, and we are ready to continue our discussion about the 30th anniversary of the Sega Genesis. We've already talked about a few ways that you can celebrate that milestone anniversary by playing Genesis Classics on your Nintendo systems, but there is, of course, also a brand new way to celebrate the Sega Genesis, and that is with the recently released Sega Genesis Mini. It is a completely separate, standalone hardware purchase, not connected to any existing device, but it is also a great way to play some classic Genesis games. Very much in the tradition of the NES and Super NES Classic, it is basically a miniature plug-and-play system with 42 games built into it already. It has most of the key first-party games that you would want to have in a Genesis collection, but it also has a lot of third-party games and a whole bunch of lost gems, sort of hard-to-find releases, such as Mega Man The Wily Wars, Contra Hardcore, Castlevania Bloodlines, Earthworm Jim, Castle of Illusion, Street Fighter II, Ghouls and Ghosts, Strider, and more. It is one heck of a lineup. Yeah, and not only does it have an excellent lineup of games, but it's also just a very, very nice little piece of hardware, in my opinion. You know, it's a really great little, I mean, as it says, it's a Genesis Mini, pretty much a perfect recreation of the old Genesis system, complete with a volume slider and a cartridge slot that, you know, actually moves. They don't actually do anything, doesn't actually affect the volume, you can't actually put cartridges in it, but they actually move like the real thing, which is, you know, pretty darn nice little touch. Actually, you uh, can put cartridges in it, just not actual Sega Genesis cartridges. But... <laughs> just not ones that play, no, no. Yeah. And you know, then, in addition to that, the system includes two wired USB Genesis controllers that are pretty similar to the original release. I mean, I don't want to say it's exactly the same as the classic Genesis controller, because I was never a huge fan of that original controller. It always felt just a little bit hollow to me. And I always had some sort of problem with the D-pad, just felt a little bit stiff and didn't really register properly. However, from what I've experienced so far on the Genesis Mini, it's actually very responsive and possibly better than the original. That's where I'm going there. It's actually better than the original. Possibly. The uh, D-pad on the new ones, from what I've heard and from what I've noticed, uh, seems a little bit looser than on the classic pads. I mean, right, your mileage right. may vary depending on yep. how much you worked that D-pad back in the day. But I would work it to the point where it pretty much stopped working, whereas this you know, just seems very, very nice and well-made. Yeah, it, it's definitely a quality piece, and I mean... Unless you're really going to scrutinize, like, side by side or something, I don't think you're going to notice much, too much difference. Mm -hmm. Well, I would say there was actually room for improvement on that classic controller, so, you know, I think that this is actually a slight step up. So, uh, yeah, good on them for, you know, fixing things that need to be fixed. Um, if there's one thing I had to complain about with the controller is that it is only the three-button controller. It does not include the six-button controller, which certain games on here really benefit from. I mean, it kind of makes sense because when you're talking that Sega Genesis, you're talking that classic black asymmetrical look, you know, you think of those three-button controllers. That's what it came with back in the day. And so it does kind of make sense from that perspective. Uh, however, it would have been nice if they had had the controllers with the extra functionality built in. Yeah, I certainly agree. The vast majority of games on here do not really require the six-button controller or no, even make much use of it. 
Retrobit, they are selling compatible six-button controllers that yes. are officially licensed from Sega. And Yeah, have you picked one up? Not yet. Uh, they're a little more expensive here. They're about $30 compared to about 15 in the States here. Well, I didn't pick up one of those six-button Genesis controllers, but I did pick up one of those Retrobit Saturn pads because I think the Saturn Ooh. pad is you know very similar but a nice step up over the Genesis pad. And, you know, it does feel great in my hands. The D-pad is excellent. Most of the buttons feel very, very good. And perhaps most importantly, you can access the menu with L. You know, if you're playing a game and you want to go to the menu, you have to hold down the start button for five seconds, which can be a little bit annoying. But if you are using one of these Saturn pads with an L and R button, you can just hit L and it takes you to that menu immediately. So if you want to save a game or load a game or go back to the menu and play a different game, you can do it instantly. And so that is really, really helpful. Unfortunately, my C button keeps getting stuck in the down position. So I think I'm gonna to have to return this one and try to get a better one. But after playing it with six buttons and with this L button interface to go to the menu, there is no way I can go back to just the three button controller. So yeah, I'm definitely going to get some sort of retro bit controller to complement the two three-button pads it comes with. Now, I was tempted by the Saturn pad, but I've decided that when I get that, I want it to be with my actual Sega Saturn that I hope to someday own. <laughs> uh, that said, the Retrobit six-button controller for the Genesis, it actually includes L and R buttons that were not on the original that serve the same functionality. Well, here. there's a six-button controller and an eight-button controller. I think they both exist. Uh, either way, either way, it's modeled after the uh, six-button pad that right, was right. on the Genesis, but they added the extra two buttons. I think there's an extra like home button or something on the front as well. I forget. Well, there's the mode button that would switch you, you know, back and forth between three-button and six-button mode in the original. And uh, yeah, that is also included here, and you can use that to access the menu directly if that's the controller you've got. Yeah. Now, as far as the three-button controllers go, I'm actually kind of glad they were included. I'm, I'm in the minority on this, but you mentioned how they're kind of iconic to the console and everything. Yep, they definitely are. And... For me, I mean, it's I, I like that we have those because if they came with the six-button controllers instead and right. they tried to sell the three buttons, I don't think anybody would buy them. Right, nobody would buy them. Really so I totally understand why they did what they did, but uh, yeah, it's also like, well, i got to get a six-button controller. You know, I can't just play with a three-button one. How else am I going to play Street Fighter 2, you know? so oh, Of course, there's Eternal Champions, too, so. Oh, yeah, don't get me started on Eternal Champions. <laughs> I still need to play that one, actually. It, it was such a big deal and just kind of a part of the Genesis identity back in the day, and uh, I never got around to playing it, so I'm really looking forward to trying that out on mine, even though I've heard it's not the greatest fighting game, but just to experience it. Well, before we dive into all these games on here, I did want to mention just a few more things about the hardware and overall software. First of all, from what I've played so far, the emulation is perfect. Everything plays just like the original. I haven't noticed any bugs or any wonkiness, and the games sound great. There is no sound lag, and there's no control lag either. The Genesis Mini does support save states. It also offers a trio of frames for surrounding the screen, since the games do not fill a full 16 by 9 display, although you can stretch it to fit that if you want to. You can also add scan lines if you like, and... Also, if you switch into Japanese language mode, you can also play the Japanese versions of all these games, which is a pretty cool inclusion as well. 
Not only that, but basically any game that has uh, notable differences in the regional versions, right? those are all basically included here. Right, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for example, if you've got Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, go Japanese, that'll become Puyo Puyo. Uh, Contra Hardcore, you'll be able to have the uh, life meter for each life if mm-hmm. you're playing the Japanese version. Sonic the Hedgehog, you get the extra parallax scrolling in some of the other stages that didn't make it into the American release. Lots of different like little stuff to discover, but yeah. Yep, that is all in there and is an excellent inclusion. I think it would have made more sense if you could have just, you know, held down a button over the particular game and selected the region instead of having to go through the language change option to make that happen. So it could have been implemented a little bit better, but still, I'm just glad that they're in here and all those options are available to players. Agreed. Is interface working out for you? I'm pretty happy with it so far. I have no complaints so far. Okay, good to hear it. Now, as for the games, you know, as we said, it has a lot of the stuff we've already talked about earlier in the show. It has a lot of expected stuff. Sonic 1, Sonic 2, Space Harrier 2, Shining Force, Toe Jam and Earl, Altered Beast, Streets of Rage 2, Shinobi 3, Alex Kidd in the Enchanted Castle, Beyond Oasis, Golden Axe, etc., etc., and, you know, all that stuff is really great to have in there because a lot of those are the classic, most memorable, most popular titles from the system. And you really have to have those on there if you're going to have something called the Sega Genesis Mini. Sure, they're available in lots of other places, but you really need to have those there to complete the Genesis experience. However, as we were talking about just a little bit ago, it also has these additional unique and hard-to-find titles. And so it ends up being a really great balance between the common stuff that you've got to have and is you know really popular and memorable, and then these more hidden gems that you know maybe you never played something like Elijah Dragoon before or Super Fantasy Zone, but you know now you get the chance. Yeah, definitely. It's a really great mix of, as you said, the common and the uncommon. One that particularly stands out to me that I actually kind of fought for on Twitter, Mega Man The Wily Wars. Oh, yes. It was exclusive to the Sega channel in mm-hmm. North America. As far as physical, ownable releases, it was only available in Europe, where it runs a little bit slower due to PAL, mm-hmm. or Japan, where you know you have to be able to read Japanese. Not eh, that it's kind of. Not the most language-intensive game, but uh, yes, I completely agree with you. I have also always wanted that in English, and I did actually get the Japanese version way back in the day, and I loved it. For the unaware, The Wily Wars is a 16-bit enhanced compilation of Mega Man 1, 2, and 3 with new levels added in, and it's pretty amazing. It was the most expensive game cartridge I ever bought from the 16-bit era, but I always wanted to play it in English. There was no Sega channel where I was, so being able to have this game on the Sega Genesis Mini, I mean, this alone is worth the price of admission as far as I'm concerned. And I mean, it just gets better from there. For example, there was Contra Hardcore and Castlevania Bloodlines. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those got re-released just very recently after (laughs) they were announced for this in the collections for switch and whatnot yes yes so it's kind of a shame there because when these were first announced it was like oh wow we haven't been able to play these games in decades now they're coming out on the genesis mini that was super exciting but then konami's like oh they're also going to be available on these other collections so it kind of spoiled a little bit there but even so i'm really glad to have these games you know dug out of the catacombs and available on this collection 
Yeah, for me, I had to play Contra Hardcore on the collection because I was doing a review of that. Mm -hmm. But I decided, since I wasn't reviewing Castlevania, I'd save that for when the classic came out. So I could play, you know, quote-unquote proper, like... (laughs) With three-button controller. Exactly. Also, the two Disney World of Illusion and Castle of Illusion games, those are, like, also unreleased since the original. They did a remake of Castle of Illusion, but the originals haven't been out since they were released on the Sega Genesis all those years ago. That's not entirely true. There actually was a Saturn port of Castle of Illusion, and there was also a bonus classic version. If you pre-ordered... The remake, you could also get the 16-bit version on PlayStation 3. But yeah, as far as actually being able to just buy it and play it without doing, you know, sorts of crazy shenanigans, yes, it's been very, very hard to get. And Castle of Illusion is one of my all-time favorite games. So, like, again, between that and Mega Man, it's like, boy, if I were just getting those two games, I would easily pay this amount just for the Genesis Mini. But no, I have another 40 games on here in addition to those. I mean, I could go on and on about how amazing castle of illusion is i just love those backgrounds that forest that you first go into you know just the way they shaded that is so fantastic you know the glistening water drops on the second stage and then later on you get to that area with like the purple sunrise or sunset and that rousing music and i mean those are just for starters almost every level has something fantastic i mean the part where you walk on the ceiling the uh, the part where you're like sinking in jello has all these crazy really amazing concepts it just pulled off so well it's crazy that it's you know a licensed mickey mouse game but man is that game good i think that's one of those cases if i remember hearing correctly where disney definitely exerted their uh, authority to maintain quality over the licensed product well, one way or another, it is a fantastic game. I don't think that World of Illusion holds up nearly as well. And I mean, even back in the day, I didn't think it held a candle to Castle of Illusion. But still, it does offer two-player simultaneous play, which is always nice to have. And that one, I'm pretty sure, has never been re-released since the Genesis days. So it truly is an unearthed hidden gem that you know no one's had a chance to play in decades. And I'm looking forward to it. I mean, hey, the second player is Donald Duck, so that's got me right there. that's true it's very true yeah other games that you know came via you know third-party licenses and agreements are titles like strider and ghouls and ghosts and you know both of those were released on wii virtual console but haven't been seen since then and they were originally capcom games which were then ported to the genesis by sega and they did just a fantastic job with both of them and in some ways you might even say these games are better than the arcade versions. For Ghouls and Ghosts, that's probably just because it's a little bit easier and thus not as infuriating. Uh, with Strider, you know, just the changes they made just made it feel just a little bit tighter and a little bit more balanced. And, uh, you know, any way you look at it, they are excellent, excellent ports of the games that, you know, might even be better than the arcade versions. So, yeah, so happy to have those on a current system hooked up to my television. And if memory serves, uh, Ghouls and Ghosts was one that Yuji Naka worked on before Sonic the Hedgehog was created. I believe that is correct, yes. He pretty much did the port of that game. Mm-hmm. I believe I've heard that as well. Yeah, so I- I've been interested in that just for the historical aspect alone. Now, you know, not every game is a Strider or a Castle of Illusion or a Mega Man Wily Wars. You know, Some of these more obscure titles are more like the aforementioned Eternal Champions. And I did play a little bit of that game last night, and oh my gosh, I 
could not believe how much I was not enjoying that game. <laughs> I mean, on the one hand, the character designs are pretty awful, but then beyond that, on the other hand, we have the gameplay, which is equally awful. So it's like a back and forth war as to what is the most unlikable aspect of that title. And even having the six button controller didn't really help. It's like I still was just mashing buttons and didn't know what I was doing. I mean, with a fighting game, I guess it always helps to know what moves to pull off. I might not enjoy Street Fighter 2 Special Champion Edition very much if I wasn't sure how to do a fireball or a shoryuken or a flash kick or a pile driver. But I believe that uh, Eternal Champions actually has a gauge that limits how often you can use your special moves. And so that's sort of like, you know, taking out one of the big fun aspects of fighting games. So it's like, you know, why would you even do that to players? I don't get it. I have heard the Sega CD version is better. So in, the, in that regard, oh, it couldn't be worse. <laughs> <laughs> it does kind of bring up that it's too bad. Maybe in some of these cases, it wasn't the Sega CD version that was included, like Earthworm Jim or Eternal Champions. But even still, it's neat to be able to check some of this stuff out. Like, Eternal Champions was the fighting game franchise for Sega before they came up with Virtua Fighter. Yeah, I mean, and I have to say, Virtua Fighter is also kind of another questionable choice on here. It's better than Eternal Champions, I would say. But again, you know, I look at some of these games, I'm like, you know, if they had taken those out and put on a couple of the other cool games that aren't on here, it's like, why didn't they do that? But, you know, oh well. It can be interesting from a historical perspective, if nothing else. Yeah, that's where some of the value for these comes from. It's just how they helped represent the Genesis library as it was. Because, I mean, you know, it's stuff people remember. I've dabbled in Virtua Fighter 2, the Genesis version, on the Sega Genesis collection. That's actually one included on there. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, it's not the original, but... For what it is, it's some nice sprite work and visuals and stuff. I mean, I'm not I'm not the most avid Virtua Fighter player as it stands. I still need to play more of it. What I've played, it seems to you know be a decent 2D version of. Hmm. Well, I can't say I'm a huge fan of it, but when I played it last night, it was better than I was expecting or I remember. So I will give it that much. <laughs> Are there any of these other uh, you know sort of hard to find gems that really stand out to you? Two other gems that are becoming progressively less hidden over the years, but are still welcome inclusions, are Wonder Boy and Monster World and Monster World 4. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which were included in most versions of the Sega Genesis collection, but not the Switch version for some reason. Yeah, yeah, that was sort of a weird omission, but you know, I'm definitely glad to have them here since they aren't on the Switch version of the Sega Classics game. You know, I really haven't had a chance to play them before, but I did play them a little bit on the Genesis Mini, and they both seemed very, very good, especially Monster World 4. You know, that one seems a lot more modern than the other games I've encountered in the Wonder Boy or Monster World series or whatever it is, because that game has such a convoluted history. But uh, yeah, it was really, really fun to play, really smooth gameplay. And uh, you know, even though I've only played like the first 10 or 15 minutes or so, I was really enjoying that one and looking forward to playing more of it. As I recall, that one was not released in North America back during the actual Genesis era. So, you know, this is kind of a treat for uh, old school fans. 
Yeah, I haven't played that one yet, which apparently I need to, because I've uh, played through some of the other Monster World and Wonder Boy games and mm-hmm. the crisscross that that is right. for various like reviews and content and stuff, but Monster World 4 has just kind of eluded me. I actually have it several times over, including its original release on the Xbox 360, which was where it first got the English translation. Okay. But yeah, it's absence from the Nintendo Switch one and uh, showing up on here and your words about it have me all the more eager to play it. Because some of the other Wonder Boy games, uh, they're, they're good, but they can be a little... not rough, exactly. Well, they kind of show their age, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, we'll see how this one all pans out, but, you know, so far, so good. I'm really digging it. Yeah, I like the character designs uh, from what I've seen of it so far, so that's definitely a positive there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Now, changing lanes a little bit, I never played Road Rash 2 back in the day, but I remember how popular it was. You know, it's kind of too bad there isn't more EA representation on here, but, you know, they are mostly known for sports games, and for obvious reasons, those are not included here. But uh, Road Rash 2 is a good game to have. You know, I have only played it a little bit, and, you know, certainly the, the 3D racing graphics you know haven't held up necessarily that well but i do understand why people like it so much because it's a racing game where you get to punch people in the face and you know how can you go wrong with that yeah and ea hasn't really done anything with the franchise and lord knows how long at this point so having access to it yeah for sure i mean i would think that a formula like that would still be very well received in that day and age so who knows maybe if uh, people play it and it rekindles interest ea would reconsider bringing back the franchise because i think there's still a lot they could do with that yeah one can hope Um, i suppose while we're talking about these games it would be remiss to not mention thunder force 3 which is one of the all-time great classic 2d shooters from the genesis and you know that system was really known for having a great selection of shooters and you know this is you know certainly one of the very top from that genre i would say but is it going to whoop me like uh, Lightning Force in the Sega Ages collection? No, it probably isn't. It will perhaps blow your mind with its crazy visual effects, but the difficulty is a lot more moderate for a 2D shooter. It's still tough, don't get me wrong, but it's a lot more reasonable than many games in this genre. I'll definitely have to check that out then, because I do like uh, shooters a little bit. I'm not a diehard shooter fan, but I like them. Mm-hmm. I, I like some R-Type and Gradius, so... Oh yeah, me too, me too. Yeah, Earthworm Jim, I would say, you know, that one's maybe not quite as good as I remember, but it still has some fantastic production values, great animation, excellent artwork, excellent sound. Um, The levels felt kind of haphazard, which I didn't really notice back in the day, but it kind of stands out to be now. Um, And then another game I spent a little bit of time with was Street Fighter II Special Champion Edition, and while it does not look nor sound as good as its counterparts on the Super NES, it is still an excellent fun time and definitely a worthy addition to this collection. Earthworm Jim 2 is the one I kind of preferred out of the old Earthworm Jims, if I'm going to be honest. But as I recall, it was made for the Genesis, so that is effectively the definitive version, or at least, you know, of the versions at the time. As far as Street Fighter 2, I kind of welcome it. At the same time, I'm kind of like, Street Fighter 2 has been released so many times. Like, even on the... Uh, on the Switch, we have Ultra Street Fighter 2 and uh, the Street Fighter Anniversary Collection. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wonder if maybe the spot won't have been better used for something else. Mortal Kombat, maybe. But at the same time, it's kind of fun to get back and 
give it another go, particularly because if you're using the three-button controller, you've got a very odd handicap in this <laughs> game. Yes, yes. I'm not sure that's necessarily a good thing or anything that should be marketed as a feature, but I still feel that, you know, taken on its own merits, you know, as a standalone game, regardless of the fact that, yeah, you can get the 12-game compilation on your Switch for, you know, less than half the price of the Genesis Mini, just taken on its own, it's a fun inclusion and uh, still an excellent game. So there are two other titles that we should make mention of here that are apparently brand new releases in a sense. They were not ever released back in the day during the Genesis's life cycle, those being a version of Tetris and then the classic shooter Darius getting a port onto the Genesis. Can I go Eternal Champions on Tetris here? <laughs> uh, you don't like it, huh? It's. I'm happy to play it. It's not technically a Genesis game because M2 basically ported the arcade version rather than the exceedingly rare uh, Sega Genesis version that there's only about 10 known copies of. I was looking forward to it because the different backgrounds, the different music, I thought it would kind of liven things up. And how do you screw up Tetris? Well... They found a way. <laughs> I don't know if I would say it's screwed up, but I will say at least the single player mode is very, very, very bare bones. It's pretty much just an endless mode and that's it. Yeah, I find it's not as, uh, it doesn't feel quite as smooth and workable as the versions that I've come to know on Nintendo platforms over the years. Like being able to move the blocks around and kind of twist things and turn things and stuff like that. It just, uh... Didn't quite feel as smooth to me. Hmm. Well, I don't know if I had those kind of issues, but certainly it did feel like a big step down compared to Tetris on the NES or even Tetris on the Game Boy, for that matter. So, you know, it's kind of cool to see this game come out because, you know, according to Legend, this game was supposed to be released on the Genesis way back when, but it didn't because of the licensing agreements, and so it never released on Genesis. So here is sort of a second chance, but wow... I would just, you know, prefer to stick to the NES and Game Boy and other versions as well. It is not something that it's like, oh, wow, we were really missing out. It's like, no, no, there's actually not too much going on here. Granted, I haven't played it in two-player mode. Maybe that would change my opinion, but uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's definitely a historical curiosity, and it's cool yes, that it's yes. included as a bonus on here for that. Mm -hmm. But Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the equivalent of Star Fox 2 in that regard. Not saying that Star Fox 2 is a bad game or anything, but you know that's what makes it worthy of inclusion uh, rather than it being uh, an amazing game or something. And then, of course, there was the inclusion of uh, Darius, yes? Yes. Which is uh, also another, I believe, arcade port by M2 rather than an actual Genesis game. Yeah, I really wasn't sure what the deal was with this one or why it's included in this collection here, but I will say it's pretty darn tough. Part of the reason for that, well, if I remember correctly, the Genesis was the only system like between this TurboGrafx-16 and Super NES to not get a port of it. Ah. And I think maybe it got the sequels or something. I'm not sure who owns it now. Uh, I'm not sure what all the technicalities are behind it offhand. Yeah, I thought Taito still owned it. But yeah, it's it's a uh, port of an arcade game that would probably be more difficult depending on how faithful it is. 
because there was one aspect they either weren't able to or didn't recreate here. You mean continuing? Uh, don't know about that. <laughs> it's actually ran on three monitors in the arcade. That's right. You're basically getting about one third of the viewing area with this. Well, let me tell you, so far it doesn't seem like it has any continues whatsoever. So basically you have three lives to get through this shooter and that is it. So unless there's something I'm missing, this seems like a very, very unforgiving game. It is unusual for M2 to have something that would be so difficult without something in there, though. <laughs> so hopefully there's like a code or something, something a little old school. Yeah, maybe there's something Up an A and press start to continue. I don't know, but in my brief experience with it, so far it seems pretty brutal. Anyway, I think what we can safely assume from all this is that, you know, the games included in here are a mixed bag. There are some that are without question absolute winners. There are some that, you know, maybe are a bit more of an acquired taste and some that, you know, probably just shouldn't have been on here to begin with. Alex Kidd, I love you, man, but your Genesis game just does not hold up very well. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I would say at least half the games are what I would call essentials. I mean, I know I've gone down the list before, but, you know, between, uh, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, Toe Jam and Earl, Golden Axe, Castle of Illusion, Streets of Rage 2, Fantasy Star, Strider, Castlevania Contra, Mega Man, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, there is just so much good stuff here. You know, it makes you easily forget that, okay, well, we didn't really need to have, uh, you know, Eternal Champions or Alex Kidd or whatever on <laughs> here, because there is so much fun to be had. I guess that's the benefit of having twice as many games as something like the Super NES Classic. It gives you uh, the opportunity to whiff a little more. <laughs> I guess that's one way to look at it. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that it was 42 games and not just like 30 for 30, but whatever, I will definitely take those 42 games. However, you know, I guess that does bring me to a question for you. You know, if you could add on like, you know, five more games or something, what would you add to the Genesis Mini? Well, the obvious one is Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which okay. is my favorite Sonic game. At the very least of the 2D games, I'd probably have to evaluate against 3D, but it probably mm. would be one of my favorites against those two. Favorite Sonic game of uh, all time. I do not begrudge its omission from this collection, because... It's not like Sega has put it on the Sega Genesis collection. It's not like they released Sega Ages or even mobile phone versions by Taxman and Stealth. There's obviously something going on there. So as much as I want it on here, I do not begrudge them not having it on here. Because I'm sure as soon as they're able to do it, they will. Well, it is definitely a notable omission, that's for sure. What other games would you add as well? Ah, well, this is going to be an odd one. Which, which game did you... You said it was Altered Beast, I think, that was the reason you bought a Genesis? It was Golden Axe. Golden Axe, right. Well, it was a G that brought me to the Sega Genesis 2. This one's kind of a weird one, and it's a licensed one, but I've got to oh say... Oh my gosh, I knew you were going to say this. I can't <laughs> believe it. I can't believe it took this long, really. <laughs> Garfield caught in the act. Okay, very disturbing. <laughs> and here's another licensed one that's a little bit of a surprise, maybe. McDonald's Treasureland Adventure is one that I would welcome. Part of it is actually in the title, because McDonald's Treasureland Adventure was developed by Treasure. Yes. So it is a very treasury, very genesee, side-scrolling platformer that stars Ron McDonald and things, and it is actually quite good. Well, I've never actually had the chance to try this one out myself. I've always been a little curious. 
I recommend it. After that, I would say almost conspicuous by its absence, particularly with Konami's presence on the console. I've never played Rocket Knight Adventures. Hmm. So that's the first one on my list of five here that I have not played, but I would definitely welcome it here based on reputation and desiring the opportunity to give it a go. Okay, fair enough. And finally, one that I was really hoping would make the cut after Castle of Illusion and World of Illusion is Quackshot, starring Donald Duck. Oh yeah, that is definitely one that I would have liked to have seen on there as well. Yeah, that was a fantastic game. It had lots of creative and cool ideas. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't quite as good as Castle of Illusion, but it was pretty darn close. And it was definitely a better game than World of Illusion. So, yeah, I was thinking if they've got this Disney license and are able to put these games in there, that would have been a really, really cool game to have. I mean, even though I haven't played this game in like decades i still remember some of the level design i still remember some of the backgrounds i still remember some of the music it was just really really well-made fantastic platformer and it's really a shame it didn't make it in i've heard about the game and i've wanted to play the game but i had my fingers crossed it would make it on here it didn't make the cut and that was disappointing and i'm a little more disappointed now to hear that world doesn't even hold a candle to it so (laughs) well As for the games that I would add to this collection, I mean, for me, there are really only two that I feel really needed to be on here. One was the aforementioned Quackshot. If that and Revenge of Shinobi had both made the cut, I would have just been, you know, happier than a pig in slop. would have been like pretty much everything I really, really wanted on here. But if I'm going to, you know, Round out the list with three additional titles. Uh, I agree, Sonic 3 should definitely be one of them. It's totally weird that it's not on there, and it should be. Uh, Streets of Rage, you know, it's kind of strange that Part 2 is on there and Part 1 is not. And while Part 2 is way better, I would think, okay, let's throw on Streets of Rage 1 as well. And then Mortal Kombat. You know, that was such a big part of the Sega Genesis's history and part of its success story. And also that was the best home version of that game at the time. It totally kicked the pants off the Super NES version. So I really wish they could have gotten that on here as well. And the fact that it actually was on some of these previous plug and play Genesis products that were not very good from what I hear, (laughs) but not on this one definitely is a shame. I assume was kind of left off. So this product didn't get an M rating or something like that, but I don't know. I'm just speculating now, but still it would have been great to have that one in there. Can I throw a couple of other uh, honorable mentions on there? (laughs) Sure. Why not? Well, you mentioned revenge of Shinobi and uh, I wouldn't have minded seeing shadow dancer on as well. Cause that's a neat little installment in the Shinobi franchise. Yep. It's not bad either. Yeah, just have the whole of uh, Shinobi. That would be nice. Another one that's licensed that I hope to get to play someday, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Hyperstone Heist. Oh, yeah, that's a great game. And to be honest, I was totally expecting that to be on your list. It's basically the Genesis equivalent of Turtles in Time. Has some unique stages and layouts and whatnot. A unique boss in uh, Tatsu, who was the second-in-command in in the uh, Ninja Turtles movies to Shredder. I would still say that Turtles in Time is a far superior game, but uh, yeah, Hyperstone Heist was certainly pretty darn good. Well, despite the fact that there certainly could have been more games, and pretty much no matter who you ask, there's going to be some sort of Genesis favorite of theirs that didn't make the cut, I would say that the Sega Genesis Mini is, nonetheless, 
very much a success story as far as I'm concerned. I think it has an excellent line of games. I really like the hardware. I think the controllers are an improvement over the original. And really, you know, other than, you know, just those handful of games, there's not a whole lot more I would have asked for here. It is a very complete package. I mean, there's always more they could do. And, you know, honestly, you know, the old saying, Genesis does what Nintendo don't. Oh, man. Can you imagine if they did a Genesis 2, Benny? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, a lot of the best stuff is already spoken for, but, yeah, there's always room for more. I wouldn't complain. Maybe they'd get those uh, Sonic 3 and Knuckles issues straightened out, and uh, that could be their, like, headliner. Yeah, or maybe they could... Uh, Say the next version includes Sega CD as well, so maybe when the 30th anniversary for that rolls around, then we can get an upgrade, and then we can staple it onto this one. It'll be just like the old days. I would like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get Sega on the horn. Let him know. Let's make it happen. Yes. Sega CD Mini, 32X Mini, give us the whole nine. Get Sonic CD on there, and... Oh, yeah. Echo CD. Now we're talking. Eternal Champion CD. No. Earthworm Jim CD. Yeah. There is definitely room for more Sega Classics, so hopefully this is a hit for them. Hopefully there is more to come down the road. I'm very happy with this, but, uh, you know, I was certainly a Sega fan in the Genesis era, despite also being a Nintendo fan, and, uh, yeah, I would be happy to see more. Yeah, definitely. I I was a begrudging Sega fan at the time, but I've definitely gotten much more into their product over the more recent years, so this is a big hit for me. Yeah, I mean... Nintendo and Sega have long buried the hatchet, so yeah, even if you are a die-in-the-wool Nintendo fan, there is a lot to enjoy here. If you didn't play the Genesis because you were you know, just into Super Nintendo NES back in the day, it's like, hey, now you can make up for it. Grab 42 games all in one place, plug it right into your TV, and see what you missed out on. And let's face it, I mean, some of them are kind of pick up from the Nintendo games of old that you enjoy anyway. Castlevania and Contra and Mega, Mega Man, Man yep. so... Yep, Absolutely. You missed out then, don't miss out again. For sure. Anyway, with that said, I do believe it is pretty much time to wrap up this special episode of Power Pros. However, we do have time for one more thing before we go, and that is a dramatic reading. This is from the back of the box of the actual, original Sega Genesis. From Sega, a world leader in video arcade entertainment, only Sega, the master of arcade entertainment, could introduce Genesis, a superior dimension in home video entertainment. Sega, the creator of today's most innovative arcade hits like Afterburner, Outrun, Altered Beast, Thunder Force, and Zaxxon, has unleashed the power of Genesis for unmatched playing power. 16-bit for vivid graphics and realistic sound. Never before has 16-bit power been put to play in a home video game system. Until Genesis. Now the same 16-bit technology found only in arcade games and sophisticated computers can produce high-definition graphics and true sounds that bring games to life. 16-bit, the ultimate dimension in gameplay. New dimensions in sight, sound, and experience are brought to life by the power of 16-bit. The thrill of the arcade is brought home with simulation games that put you in the cockpit. Opponents come alive in challenging sports competitions, and dangerous adventures 
put you on the edge of your seat with real and menacing foes. Telegenesis, expanding the world of play. Imagine the power to play outside your home. With the Telegenesis modem, it's only a phone call away. Whether it's next door or across the country, now you can dial up opponents for online competition with exclusive Telegenesis games. The optional Telegenesis modem is planned for future availability. Stereo sound. Hearing is believing. Surround yourself in sound when you connect Genesis to a stereo receiver. And hear digitized voices that will heighten Genesis's lifelike adventure even more with their human quality. All to give the most realistic game experience possible. To even out-experience the arcade. And it's only the beginning. Ooh, that gave me chills. <laughs> they had me. They had me pretty good until they got to the Telegenesis modem. Oh, come on. They were ahead of their time with that. Well, they were, except it never came out, you know? That sure was the... it did, just for the Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just ten years after the fact. Yeah, that thing, they were promoting it. They were promoting online gaming all the way back in 1989. But, yeah, they had to cancel the poor uh, Telegenesis modem. It didn't happen. I mean, there were other modems. There was the X-Band modem that came out and let people play stuff online that way. Not that I ever used one of those. But, yeah, they really uh, put a lot of faith in that, and that kind of fizzled out. Didn't stop the success of the system. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting what a uh, prominent role that played on the back of the original box. Yeah, I saw a neat wrestling with gaming thing uh, with the guys who made the X-Band and it went behind the scenes and stuff. It's really good. I recommend checking it out. Uh, anyway, for the most part, that uh, did hold up pretty well, despite the fact they might have said uh, 16-bit more times than is legally allowed in a paragraph of that size. Now, I mean, I think we can allow it because they were the leaders of the 16-bit revolution. <laughs> well, yes, you're pretty much right on the money there. <laughs> now, that box you were reading from, is that the original Altered Beast pack-in box? Yes, yes. I mean, later boxes, by then they already figured out, oh, there's no Telegenesis modems. That was only on the very first release, I believe. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, because I actually picked up a uh, Model 1 Genesis uh, in-box over the summer, and uh, on the back it actually talks about the upcoming Mega CD instead of the Sega CD. So oh, okay. That was a bit of a surprise. Very interesting. Well, maybe I can save that dramatic reading for uh, the uh, Sega CD add-on we were talking about earlier. <laughs> All right. And with that said, I do believe that does it for this episode of the show. As always, you can find us at powerpros.podbean.com, and you can follow us at PowerProsPod on both Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me, The Hoff, on Twitter at ChrisTheHoff, and you can find David at LBD underscore Night Train. N-Y-T-E-T-R-Y-N because it was the 90s. Uh, if you're also interested in seeing more of what I get up to, check out Nintendo Force Magazine at NintendoForceMagazine.com or the Sega-inspired Megavisions Magazine, which is also at MegavisionsMag.com. And, of course, you can also find me uh, working my magic whenever I can at the Mega Man Network, which is at TheMMNetwork.com. Uh, you can also email us at powerprospod at gmail.com. And if you like the podcast, it would be great if you told your friends about us. Thanks for listening, everybody. For myself, David Oxford. Hey, hey, hey. And the god of the underworld, Neff. Welcome to your doom. We will see you next time.